Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here on the Valentine's Day edition of the show. Here at 6 o'clock, our first check for you of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning Michael Flynn resigns from the Trump administration, and a Caribbean cruise is on hold for safety problems. We'll have details in one minute. And we'll talk about the Flynn resignation next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday morning at 6.01 on News Radio 1025. Retired General Michael Flynn is out as President Trump's national security advisor. Flynn resigned late last night after coming under fire over questions about whether he discussed lifting sanctions against Russia with the Russian ambassador before Trump was inaugurated. Flynn blamed it on the, quote, fast pace of events surrounding the presidential transition. Retired Lieutenant General Joseph Keith Kellogg will be the acting national security advisor until Trump names a permanent replacement. A senior administration official says Trump is also considering former CIA director David Petraeus and Vice Admiral Robert Hayward, a Navy SEAL, for the post. And I've got the um, Flynn resignation letter right in my hand here. I'll share part of that here in a moment. And uh, lots to say on this uh Sudden late-night move by the Trump administration, and we'll get to it in a moment, Deb. And real quickly, just want to correct, I had said Vice Admiral Robert Haywood. It's Harward, uh, a Navy SEAL for the Post. Right. He's in the running, it appears. One of the uh, earliest resignations in modern history. It is. I mean, less than a month in for a major figure uh, within a White House. Absolutely. But uh, I'll tell you, I think in a couple of days, this is just going to be a memory and a blip on the scope. Uh, We will talk about it here in detail in a moment. Of course, we'll be taking calls from the smartest audience in talk radio, as we always do. Steve Mnuchin is the new U.S. Treasury Secretary. Republicans pushed through the confirmation of the former Goldman Sachs executive despite strong opposition from Democrats. Republicans called him highly qualified, but Democrats argued that he's too close to Wall Street. Democrats also questioned Mnuchin's management of One West Bank, which they called a foreclosure machine with a history of predatory lending practices. David Shulkin, meanwhile, will be taking over the embattled Department of Veterans Affairs. The Senate easily confirmed Shulkin as VA secretary with support from Republicans and Democrats. The A's are 100. The nays are zero. The nomination is confirmed. Shulkin is a holdover from the Obama administration and has been the VA's undersecretary of health. President Trump was harshly critical of the management of the VA during the presidential campaign. California Governor Jerry Brown is asking for federal help in response to the damaged Oroville Dam. In a letter to President Trump, Brown asked for a federal emergency declaration for three counties affected by the possible failure of the Northern California Dam's emergency spillway. Brown said in his letter to the president that the situation is now beyond the capabilities of state and local officials. Dozens of schools downstream from the Northern California Dam will be closed again today, and nearly 200,000 people have been evacuated from their homes, and emergency officials say it could be another two weeks before an eroded section of the dam's emergency spillway is safe enough for them to return. Boy, and they got all kinds of wet weather coming in from the Pacific. They got a day or two of dry weather to get this thing down as far as they can get it. And they're going to get swamped again is what I'm hearing in the forecast. Yeah, and what I've been amazed by the story is the fact that uh, even though officials have been working on this um, eroded section of the spillway since last week, Residents who've been evacuated 
were given literally in some cases just minutes to evacuate. They've been showing video of a Denny's restaurant near Oroville, California, and there's still food on the plates. Oh, yeah. People are in a complete panic. Well, the order didn't, I mean, while officials had been working on this eroded section, yeah. why weren't residents given a little bit more of a heads up than 15 minutes while they're eating their dinner on a Saturday night, and now they're told, grab whatever you have on your back and run? Yeah, tough questions there for sure. And long term, there were warnings that there could be issues in yeah. a scenario like this as far back as 12 years ago, and nothing was done to shore it all up. Uh, you know, probably because, you know, 10 years ago, they were in the midst of one of the uh, a historic drought. Probably never thought they would see this kind of rain coming before they were prepared. Remarkable story. And at least the dam, the the, the main dam is holding. Which it is, is great. holding at the moment, yeah. In local news, it may be Valentine's Day, but there's one cruise ship not exactly feeling that love boat vibe. Passengers of the uh, Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Seas are venting their frustrations on social media, specifically Twitter, over being stuck at Port Canaveral overnight. The ship is being held up after the Coast Guard discovered safety issues, specifically safety issues over life vests held up the ship at Port Canaveral overnight. And passengers, some 3,000 of them, had to remain aboard because U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents had gone home for the night. They also couldn't gamble because they're back in U.S. soil. Uh oh. One passenger tweeted they were told the ship won't be leaving port until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Mm. And finally, some cities in the U.S. are apparently better than others for Valentine's Day. The financial website WalletHub is ranking the 10 best cities out of the nation's 100 most populated cities to spend the day with your love. The top three include San Francisco, Scottsdale, Arizona, and the city beautiful, Orlando. Hey, hey. Yeah. Wallet, I like that. Wallet Hub says you don't want to spend Valentine's Day in Cleveland, though, Detroit, or Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> no explanation given. The website, needed. <laughs> the website says it came up with the uh, best cities for Valentine's Day based on four factors. Budget, things to do, shopping, and the weather. Let's see. Check, check. Check and check. Absolutely. I see why we're in the top three. Absolutely. Yeah. WFLA News Time 607. Read about John Stewart saying reporters should not boycott the correspondence dinner online now at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Happy Valentine's Day, partner. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. Yeah, you and your guys stepping out a little later today, tonight, or whatever. I'm sure we will. You know, it's a Tuesday night, so it's kind of got to be an early night. We'll probably just gaze lovingly into each other's eyes for a few hours. (laughs) I go to bed so early. We were trying to book, Linda and I were trying to book dinner reservations for the night. The only slot we could get at the restaurant we wanted to go to was 4 o'clock. We're having dinner at 4. <laughs> it's pathetic. Oh, it's happened. It's pathetic. It's happened. It's pathetic. <laughs> what kind of man am I? Dinner at 4 on Valentine's Day. How the mighty have well, fallen. No, no, not at all. Why? See, you're thinking of this wrong. Uh, oh, good, good. Help me out here. Well, because you're having dinner at 4. Go ahead and join in, Mike, because I, I know you're done getting sick after I talked about gazing lovingly in someone's eyes for hours. Dinner is over at four. Yeah, that means you know you can you'll come home, you and your bride, go on a nice sunset walk, help the tummy settle. Yeah, 
And well, then as the sun sets, yeah. welcome game to Fantasy on. Island. What will happen is I'll come home, I'll have to double check my check my show prep and get up to date, and then I'm going to sleep. <laughs> that's the way that's gonna go. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Oh, it was a sweet thought. No question about that. Hey, we need to dig in here. Yes, I do want to compliment Mike Yaffe on his Valentine's Day themed T-shirt that he has on this morning. You know, it, you're supposed no. to wear a little bit of red, so at least the bat on, <laughs> oh, on the, the black bat. shirt, the Batman shirt, red. the bat's red. Well, that's a, that's something anyway. That's something. Yeah. yeah. It's something. We're yeah. all here from the Frontgate <laughs> Realty Studio. Good morning, Orlando. Happy Valentine's Day, one and all. Hope love is in bloom in your life. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We'll get into the Mike Flynn recognition, or resignation, rather, here in just a moment. Uh, any thoughts on it from your perspective? I'll certainly give you mine. You're welcome to join the conversation. 407-916-5400. Hit the text line at 23680. All right, now that I've got us woefully behind here, let's go to the break, and uh, we'll have all of this on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. So stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Geez, you know, I'm in the middle of show prep yesterday, and there's Kellyanne Conway saying that President Trump has complete confidence in Mike Flynn. And then within the hour, Sean Spicer, press secretary, is saying, well, I don't worry about, we're evaluating the whole situation here. Trump managed to sidestep having to take a question on that during his brief news conference with the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the White House yesterday. Yaffe, it looks like he purposely worked out something where he only took two questions, okay? And he took one from the Daily Caller and I don't know, one from somebody else, but left all of the all of the big network reporters, and he keeps sticking it in their eye, which is kind of fun to watch, uh, who they knew he'd ask about Mike Flynn. And the other guys didn't. I don't know if the whole thing was wink-wink or whatever, but he never had to deal with it. And they were shouting Mike Flynn at him when he left, but he didn't respond to it. Interesting, he's been completely silent on Twitter. I still think he is this morning, Mike. Have you seen any tweeting from the president this morning on the Mike Flynn no, thing? I'll have to look that up. I haven't looked yet. That's Somebody must have taken a hold of his portable device and thrown it in the Potomac. I mean, I'm just shocked that we're not hearing <laughs> anything. I don't know what's going on there, but it was... um. Late last night, when suddenly the word came down that a guy who had been fiercely loyal to Donald Trump right from the beginning in his then long-shot campaign for president, there were two prominent people who backed him to the hilt before before very many did. Jeff Sessions, who's now the attorney general, and former general Mike Flynn, who became the national security advisor, He resigned late last night with a letter. It's reported this all came after the Justice Department informed the White House that it believed that Flynn could be subject to blackmail by the Russians. And um, the U.S. officials who are reporting on this confirm part of what's been in the Washington Post quoting current and former U.S. officials yesterday as saying, Acting Attorney General Sally Yates, remember she was there, a holdover from the Obama administration before Jeff Sessions was confirmed? That Yates delivered the message to the White House counsel. That Yates was privy to FBI monitoring. They had recordings that Flynn had discussed sanctions on Russia with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak even though Flynn told administration officials he hadn't done it. 
And then you remember Mike Pence, the vice president, took that information from Flynn, you know, that, that, that he hadn't been talking about any of that and went on the national television uh, Sunday shows. And um, and then Flynn backtracked a couple of days ago when he was kind of caught in a vice here with those recordings, apparently, and said, well, maybe it did come up when we were talking here. You know, I mean, the whole thing, it turns out he lied, okay? And he lied to the vice president of the United States. And he just can't stay on in that situation where trust is so critically important um, in the national security advisor's position. But what's really wild and crazy here is that's the same Sally Yates that Trump fired as acting attorney general after she directed the Justice Department lawyers not to defend his executive order on immigration. Isn't that crazy? But by that period when she was the acting attorney general while we're waiting for sessions, she had the information apparently on these recordings. I don't know. All I know is we learned in Watergate that the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Nobody's suggesting there's anything illegal about what he did here, but the cover-up and the lies, I think, is what finished off Mike Flynn. How serious a problem is this for the Trump administration? I believe, going forward, not very serious at all. What are your thoughts on all of this, and do you believe that Mike, pa- that Mike Flynn had to go? I do. It's a trust issue here. You can't be lying to the vice president. 407-916-5400, text 23680. I think Mike Flynn did Mike Flynn in. I don't think the media or anyone else did. Sorry, that's how I feel. 407-916-5400, how do you feel? Uh, 23680 in the text line. Right now, we already have an acting um, national security advisor uh, plugged right in as Mike Flynn has resigned. I'll give you excerpts from his resignation letter from late last night. Um, and Lieutenant General Joseph Kellogg He may wind up as the permanent replacement. He's a decorated U.S. Army veteran. He served from 67 to 2003, earned um, all kinds of commendations, Silver Star, Bronze Star during his time in the Vietnam War. Um, He was a big-time player during the war in Iraq and on and on and on. Vice Admiral Bob Harward uh, is also considered a, a, a strong possibility to replace Flynn as National Security Advisor. As a matter of fact, Fox News is reporting he's the leading candidate. He's a Navy SEAL. Um, he also has a relationship with uh, uh, Secretary of Defense James Mattis. He was um, Deputy Commander of the U.S. Central Command under Mattis. He also served on the National Security Council for President George W. Bush. And um, so there were a couple of players. General David Petraeus, I don't know how this works. I mean, you know, and if you want, if you want to... Put the trust issue to rest. I, I don't know if you want to go near Petraeus, as good a man as he is in so many ways. You know, I mean, he leaked classified documents to his mistress. You know, all of that that went down. Um, you know, I, I like Kellogg. I like I like Harwood. I think that that's the direction they'll probably go. But at any rate, the uh, resignation, a letter from um, Mike Flynn late last night, said in part, in the course of my duties as the incoming national security advisor, I held uh, numerous phone calls with foreign counterparts, ministers, and ambassadors. Those calls were to facilitate a smooth transition, begin to build the necessary relationships between the president, his advisors, and foreign leaders. Such calls are standard practice in any 
transition of this magnitude. Wasn't there any question about that? That's true. Unfortunately, because of the fast pace of events, here's where it gets a little squirrely. I inadvertently briefed the vice president-elect and others with incomplete information regarding my phone calls with the Russian ambassador. I sincerely apologize to the president and the vice president. They have accepted my apology. I'm tendering my resignation, honored to have served our nation and the American people in such a distinguished way and extremely proud and honored to have served President Trump. Incomplete information. You know, people don't forget. They, they know when important things like this, what they said and what they didn't say. He lied. He covered up. He had to go, Yaffe. You know, I thought I heard uh, Tr- Charles Krauthammer last night on Fox, and he said the weird thing about this is there was a cover-up but no crime. So why cover it up if there's no crime? That, that, that seems to be the very odd thing. Although this does not help the narrative that some people are saying that um, Trump is too cozy with Russia. This kind of, you know, plays into that. Well, yeah, and Flynn had a really tight relationship. He went to a banquet over there uh, in 2015, right. sat with uh, with Putin, etc. He also has a reputation um, back when he was um, working in intelligence under uh, under the Obama presidency, and he ultimately was kind of forced out of that for being chaotic in his management style and difficult in his personal relationships, difficult to work with. Really? Yeah, just maybe a guy who needs to go. And and the issue is trust here, Mike. You 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 have to the president needs to know. He's getting it straight from the National Security Advisor. Uh and absolutely. You know, it, it, he he is the focal point of of these critical issues and these relationships with nations we have problems with and the president needs to know he's getting it straight and that the National Security Advisor is shooting straight. And uh once you breach that trust, I think you're gone. You got to go. I think you're right about Petraeus as well. I just, you know, there's too many trust issues. He's radioactive in that regard. He should be because if trust is the central issue that did in Mike Flynn. Exactly. You can't take Petraeus. That would be crazy in my view. I really think it would be. All right. Right now at 633, let's check in with Deborah Roberts for a news update from the newsroom. Deb? Thank you, bud. President Trump is looking for a new national security advisor following last night's resignation of Michael Flynn. Flynn stepped down amid questions about whether he discussed lifting sanctions against Moscow with the Russian ambassador before Trump took office. In his resignation letter, Flynn says he inadvertently gave Vice President Mike Pence, quote, incomplete information about his talks. Trump has named retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg as acting national security advisor, but must still consider a permanent replacement. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Florida Highway Patrol is rebooting the Arrive Alive campaign, and they're not going it alone. Leon County Sheriff Walt McNeil says sheriffs and police chiefs are joining in the statewide campaign to reduce traffic fatalities. Over 3,000 lives were lost here in the state of Florida this past year. 3,000 lives too many. And this Arrive Alive campaign will go a long way towards making sure we would reduce that number of deaths. Arrive Alive is an old old expression, but the new campaign is high-tech. The Highway Patrol is using big data to figure out where traffic hotspots are located, and those areas will get extra special attention. In the meantime, gas prices barely budged across the Sunshine State in the past week, dropping less than a penny to a statewide average of $2.26 a gallon. Senior Petroleum Analyst Patrick DeHaan at GasBuddy.com says two major factors will contribute to rising gas prices in the weeks ahead. Rising gasoline demand 
and also the time of year when refineries do maintenance work, and that slows down how much gasoline is being produced. Both of those factors likely to bring now an increase in price that could last several months. It may be on and off, but more likely than not, gas prices will likely begin trending higher now through April or May. DeHaan says expect pump prices to jump between 35 and 65 cents a gallon by Memorial Day. GasBuddy.com says the average in Orlando a bit cheaper at 219. Flying cars are now on sale. The Dutch company PALV is accepting pre-orders for what it calls the first certified flying car ever. The Liberty is a three-wheeled vehicle with a retractable rotor on top. Pricing starts at $400,000, but that's before tax for a base model. The more upscale Pioneer edition goes for 600000 but that price includes at-home training for a vehicle that also comes with power heating, fancy detailing, and an electronic flight instrument display. PALV is accepting deposits now and is aiming to deliver the first models by the end of next year. Finally, in sports, the Magic ended a four-game slide, beating the rival Heat in Miami last night, 116-107. to Evan Fournier led Orlando with 24 points. WFLA News Time 636. I'm Deborah Roberts, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. Wow, we beat the heat. A magic win a game. You gotta love that. You can join us right now and check us out on video. Like us on Facebook at WFLA Orlando. We are on Facebook Live for this half hour of our three hours together. And uh, at this uh, moment, we always turn our attention northward to the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City, where we find Gina Cervetti with the daily Bloomberg Business Report. And good Tuesday morning and happy Valentine's Day to you, Gina. Oh, thanks, bud. Happy Valentine's Day to you and a good Tuesday morning to you as well. Absolutely right. You know, stock prices are really, really soaring Mm -hmm. um, in the early weeks of the Trump administration. Let's talk about yesterday's numbers and what may unfold today. Well, right now we have the stock futures kind of quiet as investors turn their attention to Fed Chair Janet Yellen beginning two days of testimony at Congress. Uh, U.S. stocks did climb to new records to start the week as banks rallied yesterday, and earnings have actually been posting the best growth since 2014. So we saw the S&P up 12 points, or about one-half of 1% to 2328. The Dow was up 143 to 20,412. The Nasdaq rose 30 to 5764. And we had Apple hitting a record close of just over $133 per share. And that's coming on optimism that the next iPhone will drive a resurgence in sales. Apple valued at about $699 billion, making it the world's most highly capitalized company. Google's parent Alphabet is next. How about that? Hey, Boeing is um, on the Bloomberg Business Report radar this morning. What's that about? Well, Boeing has ample cause for confidence about staying union-free in South Carolina, which is the least unionized state in the nation. Mm -hmm. But the company isn't leaving anything to chance tomorrow, bud, when about 3,000 employees are eligible to vote on whether or not to join the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Cantar Media and CMAG found that Boeing ran almost 500 local television spots between January 31st and February 6th, urging workers to vote no. The union says Boeing has used other methods to reach workers as well and has been giving away free items, including food, diapers, and clothing labeled as all things employees could buy for the same cost as annual union dues. President Trump, by the way, is scheduled to visit the plant on Friday. 
Boeing pulling out all the stops. We'll watch the vote closely in South Carolina. You know, Deb was talking about the first flying car a couple of minutes ago on the news. You've got news that self-driving cars may be a lot closer to reality in this country than I think anybody believed, right, Gina? Well, a senior Toyota executive is urging the federal government to keep states from setting their own autonomous vehicle rules, something car makers say could threaten the emerging industry with a patchwork of contradictory regulations. One Volvo executive says that 48 autonomous vehicle bills have been introduced in 20 states, and that's just in the last two months alone. Most interesting, as always, the Bloomberg Business Report with Gina Cervetti, a staple here in Good Morning Orlando. And join us every morning for it at 635. Have a great day, and we'll catch you in 24 hours, Gina. All right, bud. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you. And there we go, Gina Cervetti. Now, you may have heard about this Florida public school teachers shortage, okay? Lots of reporting on that. I've placed a segment on that on the show this morning, hoping to catch a bunch of teachers still driving to school but not yet in the classrooms with the kids. I want some calls on what is really behind the Florida teacher shortage. The reason that is given as the principal factor, I think, doesn't begin to tell the story of why so many people are choosing not to get in the teaching profession and so many in it are leaving way before they should. Why is that? Nobody would know better than you teachers. Join me, 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. My take and yours coming up. What's behind the Florida teacher shortage? What are the factors as you see it? 407-916-5400. Text me to 23680. And we'll get into it here in a moment on the teacher shortage. And we'll also update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes, too. So, Lots going on here, and I hope you'll hang with me on the 50,000 watt front porch on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I'm reading some pretty exhaustive reporting in the Orlando Sentinel and other media outlets on this big statewide public school teacher shortage here and what is behind it. And the number one reason given is that there are simply fewer college students who are taking courses leading to an education degree and the teaching profession. But why is that? Another reason's given, well, we got a teacher shortage because now the state is really growing again. That's certainly true in Orange County and many other counties as well. So student enrollment is growing. You need more teachers than you would have needed before. I guess that's part of the puzzle, but not nearly all of the puzzle I know teachers. I talk to teachers. I get feedback from teachers when we talk education from whatever angle here on the 50,000-watt front porch. And for years, I've been connected with how teachers are feeling about their chosen profession. The reality is fewer are getting into it because it's not an attractive profession for a number of reasons that I don't think are getting enough attention. And then the reality is the average public school teacher in Florida, this is shocking, only stays in the profession for five years. People used to choose that as a career and retire as a public school teacher. It doesn't happen very often anymore to the degree that it did. What is driving out the teachers that chose this as their profession? I think there's several reasons. First of all, the pay is better than it used to be, but it is still inadequate for the critically important job that is done. 
by a good teacher. More on merit pay coming up a little bit later on. But the thing I hear more often than any other that frustrates teachers and I think ultimately drives so many out or choose or causes so many others to not to get into it is they do not have autonomy in the classroom like they used to have. Every year they get different kids and a whole dynamic of a classroom can be different, they will tell you, and yet I have to rigidly, in order to keep my job, teach to these standardized tests that have been put together at the state and the federal level by bureaucrats who have no idea what I'm dealing with in my classroom year to year. And they just cannot tolerate that. Teachers are creative by nature, and all of that is stunted and stilted by teaching to the test. Takes all of the joy out of it, and I think not only for the teachers but their students as well. It's a stressful job. You've got classroom discipline issues that you didn't used to have. And you get a lack of parental support, I hear all the time. When I was a kid, I cut up in class. My mother would drop kick my butt across Glen Rock, New Jersey. Now, now, the equivalent of my mom goes in and saying, what are you doing with my little Johnny or my little buddy? I'll have your job. And you put it all together, and it's not an attractive profession. And people are leaving it before they should and people are choosing not to get into it. And I think it's I, I think it I think it's it's multifaceted, but I do believe that the lack of autonomy in the classroom to teach kids as you've been trained to do and as you know is best for them with these standardized tests and people breathing down your neck, I think that's what finishes people off more than anything. Am I right on that score? I'd love to hear from you teachers before you get into the classroom today. It's why I'm talking about it right now before the seven o'clock hour. What about it? How do we solve the teacher shortage here in Florida? This is not going to be an easy problem to solve, no question about it. But some of these things can be changed. 407-916-5400. What do you think? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Big time teacher shortage in Florida. What's the cause? Who better to ask than a teacher? And I've got one on the line. Jose from Zellwood. Thank you for calling. Good morning, Jose. Please help us understand from a teacher's perspective what's going on. All right. I'm thinking uh, one of three things. Uh, all of three things are really affecting the teacher shortage. First of all, it's what Governor Rick Scott did to the teachers back when he was at term one. Uh, he cut the budgets, and then he stripped away the union benefits. And basically, our union now has almost no teeth whatsoever. They really don't have any power. The second thing is, uh, of course, the micromanagement in the classroom. I don't know how many times I've been told yeah. by administration. Now, I'm not telling you how to teach. I'm not telling you how to teach. But by the time the meeting ends, I'm being told exactly what they want to see in the classroom and how they want it done. There you go. That That's exactly what I hear all the time. Now, you're a teacher. If you wanted to get people flowing into the teaching profession and those already in it staying in it till retirement, what would you change? Uh, first of all, I'd bring back the union benefit of tenure. Tenure is the only thing that was keeping teachers from leaving. And, and, and you know, I've always, had, I've always had mixed feelings about that because I think what it does is it protects the dead wood. It takes an act of Congress yeah. practically to fire a teacher when the teacher isn't doing the job for our kids. 
And that's what the that's what the hypocrisy is. Everybody says, "Oh, you can't fire a bad teacher. You can't fire." Oh no, there was mechanisms in place for for administration to let a teacher go. The, you know, you just have to follow the procedures. But the the only problem I mean, I don't have is, tenure in my job. If my numbers stink and I have no audience, they fire me. Why should you have tenure in the teaching profession? Look at our current situation. No, answer the question. I am. Look at our current situation. You don't have tenure, no tenure in corporate America. I mean, you might have a contract have short no term. Tenure. Most people don't. You have no tenure in education right now, and we can't find teachers. And that's the reason. Okay, that's interesting. I don't know if I buy that or not, but I do respect the fact that we got a teacher on the line. We got a former teacher on the line. Richard's out of Deltona joining the Bud Man. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Bud. You're a great American. We appreciate everything you do for our community and country. My goodness, thank you. Go ahead. I'm a former teacher, and I'm, I'm 62, and I'm, I'm back in private business. But I remember the whole tide turned in 1986 when the Board of Education was removed from the wall of the vice principal's office. The Board of Education was removed from the wall? I don't get it. You remember the paddle, bud. Ah! So we don't have enough discipline, I think, is the point that's being made. Okay, I'm a little bit thick-headed here. It's awfully early in the morning for me to pick up on something uh, that cryptic. I didn't get it either. Thank you. The Board of Education. The Board of Education, oh, not paddle. That's the name yeah, for it. I yeah, like it. I get it on that <laughs> score, and I think there's something to what he says, Okay. Yaffe, quick comment before you check the, the uh, text line for me. Well, I think most people would instinctively say it's the pay, but pay has always been an issue with teaching. That's not really anything new. Plus, from what you were saying, it's not even so much that they can't get teachers to begin with, but they can't get them to stay. Average is five years. Yeah. So, I mean, te- most people know going into it that they're not going to make a lot of money being a teacher. So there has to be other issues that are encouraging them not to stay other than pay. Well, I think they're hamstrung, you know, right. um, by by all the regulations, the teaching to the test. I think it's driving them out of their minds. Throw in the discipline issue and the lack of parental support, uh, and I think that I think those are enormous factors in the problem we're having, keeping and attracting teachers. Yeah, we have one texter who says um, students are babied, which is frustrating. They're just they're just too baby. They're too coddled. Wimps. <laughs> All right. I'm with you. Bring back the Board of Education. <laughs> <laughs> Took us a while to get that one, but we got it. Thanks for the calls in the text line. We're going to be talking about claims that the uh, merit pay system here for teachers is a failure. I've been a big proponent of merit pay. They're calling it a failure in Florida. We'll talk about it next. Good morning, Orlando, and happy Valentine's Day to you. At the top of the 7 o'clock hour on a Tuesday, here's our latest check on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Michael Flynn resigns from the Trump administration, and Florida health centers are bracing for the end of Obamacare. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Merit pay for teachers called a failure in Florida. Let's talk about it next on Good Morning Orlando. 
Good Tuesday morning at 7.04 on News Radio 1025. President Trump will have to name a new national security advisor following last night's late night resignation of Michael Flynn. The resignation came following reports that he misled White House officials about his contacts with Russia. In Flynn's resignation letter, he said he held numerous calls with the Russian ambassador to the U.S. during the transition and gave, quote, incomplete information to the White House about those discussions. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. There are more than 450 community health centers in the state of Florida, and they're trying to figure out how to respond to the impending demise of the Affordable Care Act. Andy Berman with the Florida Association of Community Health Centers says it's difficult, though, because no one knows how Congress will replace Obamacare. We don't know. We don't know what it means in terms of the services that are being requested. But we do know this. We are here to see all patients regardless of the financial status of that patient. That is what we do. That is the mandate that we have. Health centers still get money from the state, but they went from $42 million a few years ago to just $9 million today. Berman says they're asking Florida lawmakers to restore some of those cuts. Just how healthy is the city you live in? Financial website WalletHub has ranked the 150 biggest cities in the nation based on choices for health care, food, fitness, and green space. The study deemed San Francisco to be the healthiest city in America, while Detroit came in as the least healthy. People with lower back pain should hold off on prescription drugs, at least until they've tried some other forms of treatment. The American College of Physicians has put out new guidelines suggesting heat wraps and exercise first. A massage or even acupuncture can also do the trick. The college recommends that drugs be used only if everything else has failed. Today may be just uh, your lucky day, even if Valentine's isn't really your thing. Today is National Donor Day. That's donor as an organ donor. The day is meant to call attention to the more than 120,000 people across the U.S. whose names are on a list of those waiting for the gift of a life-saving organ donation. Meanwhile, in France, you're an organ donor unless you opt out. French lawmakers passed the presumed consent law in hopes of creating more organ and tissue donations. France's National Agency for Biomedicine says people who don't want to be on the donor list have only two days to leave it. They can officially register their refusal to be listed or express their wishes to family, who will then be consulted before an organ donation is made. The Guardian reports in just one day, 150,000 French citizens signed up for the organ refusal registry. WFLA News Time 707. Read about how you could win a world-class Hunter Vision LASIK procedure online now at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. From the Front Gate Realty Studio, Deb. From the Front Gate Realty Studio. Turn on the Budman's mic, Budman. There we go. Thank you, Deb. You're welcome. You are like full service over there. And by the way, happy Valentine's Day happy, to you. Happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day to you <laughs> and Mike Yaffe as well. We're all over the place here, aren't I we, this know. morning? I <laughs> know. And Michael, our call screener. I'm going to go now. Hello, Michael. How you doing? Welcome aboard. Never seen him without a hat. Very interesting. Handsome fellow. All right, Yaffe, you ready to go? You got your red Batman shirt on for the... Uh, Valentine's Day occasion. I, th- I think for Valentine's today, today I might go see the movie uh, John Wick two by myself. Is that? Boy, I that sounds romantic. Yeah, <laughs> hey, lots so- of violence and guns. Uh, oh, and- 
that's how some people's relationships are. You know, not everyone can go to dinner at 4 o'clock this afternoon, bud. It's the only time we can get reservations. It was 4 o'clock or 9 o'clock at our favorite restaurant. What, what am I going to do with a 9 o'clock dinner reservations? I'll be a zombie in the morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> and by the way, Mike, you know, the way the bat is kind of displayed on your T-shirt makes it look kind of like a heart. Oh, now I don't want to wear it. Kind of. That's a real stretch. It's the operative word, isn't it? I can book you into Dr. Filatowski's for an eye check this afternoon. That is no heart. <laughs> All right. We come to you from the Front Gate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com or on WFLA News Radio 1025 FM, still on AM 540, nationwide and iHeart Radio. We were talking about what's behind the uh, Florida teachers' shortage here. Uh, in the last half hour, and I left a lot of callers on the line. If you still want to weigh in on that, I certainly would love to hear from you. I, I tried to do the segment while we had teachers who were on the road and not in the classroom, and we got some good calls in that regard, 407-916-5400. But there was another public school teaching uh, a story out there, and the headline is in the Orlando Sentinel. Orange County says teacher merit pay law hasn't boosted student learning. And it's being called a failure. I've been a big proponent of merit pay, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of our capitalist system here where you can strive to perform at the highest level and then be compensated at a higher level for that high level of performance. And I don't understand why there's all this resistance to it in the teaching profession. I understand some aspects of it and some of the pushback. But at any rate, when I see that the merit pay law is a failure, I think the focus may be misplaced. Let me explain in a moment. 407-916-5400. We'll get to that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. will be updated for you in just two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Before I get to my thoughts on the merit pay, merit pay for teacher law here that was instituted in 2011 that I was a big backer of being called a failure... I have a couple of teachers on the line and more callers coming in on what's really behind the Florida teacher shortage. But Yaffe, you got an interesting call off air that triggered a little research on an angle you and I had never heard before to explain not why we're having fewer getting into the teaching profession, but why the average length of time someone stays as a Florida public school teachers just five years why so many leave so early yeah exactly and this um this person was a teacher or at least worked in the profession and she told me the reason why they leave right after five years is because of student loan forgiveness so there are federal programs out there and i looked this up that you can forgive up to seventeen thousand dollars in student loans you get that forgiven as a teacher if you stay at an eligible school full-time for five years but here's the deal. If you loved what you did, you'd get the forgiveness on the loan and keep right on teaching, but they're not doing that. Exactly. So, I mean, it doesn't explain it doesn't explain why teachers are leaving, but it explains why they wait 5 years to leave. Isn't that interesting? Mike, you're a teacher and good morning from Tavares. Thanks for calling as we discuss the teacher shortage and what's really behind it. How do you see it, Mike? Well, it's really multifaceted, and I appreciate you taking my call. Um, there's there's a couple things. I, I just received some merit pay, actually, um, which caused a whole bunch of dissension within my school. Why? Um, however, Why? Why? The, Jealous of you the, or what? The A-plus money. Well, because of the way it's – because it, – well, that, that's a whole other issue. Um, but on top of that, what I wanted to share about the 
the merit pay is that, you know, teachers are given students based on their needs, and students are not placed according, they're not placed equitable for teachers because they need to be placed according to their needs. So some teachers have harder times making gains with children than others, and that's in the children's best interest. On, on top of all of that, you know, if you want to make it effective, you, you should pay teachers for the extra things that they do after school and that bringing them into the community, not tying it to, to a standardized test. If you think about it in the business world, and, and this is my last point, when you think about it in the business world, if I said you have 180 days to do 365 days worth of work, and 20 of the days we're going to shut the power off on you, um, but you don't know when that is. And essentially when a child is absent, you shut the power off. And you have no control over that, and you can't teach the kid who's not in the chair. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. And now, All right. and now they are giving us, now they're saying to us, hey, you have, um, um, you know, your pay is going to be tied to this, your bonuses are going to be tied to this, and, and it could be a, a teacher who goes to every after-school activity, but because they're dealing with, say, the gifted children, who are the hardest to show growth with, they're not going to have, they're not going to, they're not going to get a bonus, or they're going to get the minimum pay, and that seems terribly unfair. Now, let me ask you a question. How long have you been teaching, and do you plan to stay in the profession long term? I've been teaching 14 years. Um, I'm finishing my PhD. I, I've had a, a value-added rating of four, which means a growth rating, the highest growth rate you can have two years in a row. Um, and and I, I have tenure, so I'm one of the teachers who did not opt out, and I get my my pay increases based on my experience versus my growth. Do you enjoy, do you enjoy the work, or is it just a job for a paycheck? I enjoy the work. Um, I don't enjoy, and this is another reason that I think teachers are leaving and not joining the profession, is that, you know, we are not valued in our community anymore. It used to be an honorable thing to be a teacher, and now if mm-hmm. something doesn't go right, it's the teacher's fault. Boy, I agree with that. I hear that all the time. Great call. Man, I'm getting stacked up here time-wise, but I got more great calls coming up, and I still got to make a few comments on them calling this merit pay law for teachers uh, a failure. Got so much to get to with great callers on the um, teacher shortage here in Florida and what's behind it, but I'm reading that the uh, merit pay law for teachers here, tied in part to um, students' performances on standardized tests, is being called a failure locally and around the state a failure because it has not boosted student performance on the standardized tests. I don't know if that's where the focus necessarily needs to be. There are a lot of circumstances that go into a lack of improved scores, and you can't blame the teachers all the time for that. Um, It it, it seems to me that, um, that what you do with merit pay is just as you do in in corporate in the corporate world here you reward your good people with merit pay and one of the benefits is you keep your good people long term and that's one of the issues with teachers leaving after 5 years on the average in Florida you know and merit pay has value you keep good good teachers on the job longer often in circumstances where they got difficult kids or situations, and you're not going to be able to get improved scores. 
but you know that they're the best of the best, and you pay them accordingly. It seems to me merit pay has value. Nathan, you're a teacher on the teacher shortage. Good morning from Orlando. Thank you for waiting, Nathan. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. And you? Great. Thank you. Good. Uh, I just wanted to call in to say that, uh, you know, I when we look at teachers, what do we want for in teachers? We want teachers who are compassionate, knowledgeable, passionate about students. And one of the things that I've seen in the teaching profession is that those aren't necessarily things that you can judge with a test. Um, so uh, in, in my case, I have performed very well with my students, but what I've noticed is that especially when the pressure is on and I have nine months, and as the previous caller said, I, my students are missing on certain days, you feel that pressure, and that pressure translates into force. And slowly over time, you start to feel yourself becoming someone that you're not. You know, you came into the teaching profession to help kids and to guide kids. And every day you see kids that are struggling, and and they're they're going through situations that we can't even possibly imagine. And you are trying to meet them on that level. And then from, from the top down, you are expected perform, perform, perform. And that stress that the teachers feel it, it translates to the students. And I've seen it in many cases where teachers, in order to get those high scores, in order to get that merit-based pay, they result to manipulation and force and uh, dehumanization. And, you know, they just... Well, that's not right, obviously. Just, and it's not, but it happens. Okay, most interesting. Thank you, Nathan, from a teacher's perspective. Interesting angle on that. Here's Jeff in Central Florida leaving the teaching profession. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, at the end of this year is my uh, going to be my last year teaching. How many uh, years? Uh, it's been my fourth year. Why are you uh, leaving? Well, it, it was a couple of things. I, I, I've got an opportunity to, 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 for my wife and I to take over a, a small business, a successful small business, so it's, it's better for me financially. But uh, a lot of it, I, I really don't think it has as much to do as, as with, with, with merit pay as, as it was making it out to be. I think it's a combination of that and, and all of the extra stuff that is piled on to teachers. Um, we, we, we get into the profession because, we like, like your previous caller said, we love kids, we love, we love to work with kids right. and, and help them, and yet we spend half of our time doing paperwork and filling out this and that and this and that. And, and it's, it's, it, it takes all of the joy out of teaching, at least for me it does. It takes all the joy out of teaching when I know that once I get done with this class, I've got you know, my planning period, my you know, 40 minutes to accomplish 15 tasks that yeah. day that were emailed to me 15 minutes earlier. So... I, I, for me, that's what more of the, more of the problem is. So, if I didn't have this opportunity, I would continue teaching. But because I've got an opportunity, yeah. I, I'm going to leave. I understand. I'll bet you got a lot of teachers nodding in the affirmative and relating to what you say on the text line. What's coming in, Mike? Yeah, we have one person who says, um, you know, he never expected to become rich being a teacher, but he did expect maybe a cost of living increase, good benefits, and a decent retirement, and doesn't feel like that's really happening. Okay. Great stuff, folks, and I know we'll revisit the issue. Thank you so much. Our top story in the morning, and we'll get into this more as a talk topic later on, but Deb's going to give you the basics right now. A key member of the Trump administration walked the plank late last night, Deb. And that's why Army Lieutenant General Joseph Kellogg is acting national security advisor following last night's resignation of Michael Flynn. Flynn stepped down amid questions about his discussions with the Russian ambassador before President Trump took office. Flynn says in his resignation letter that he inadvertently gave Vice President Mike Pence incomplete information about those talks. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Oh, in Henrietta, Oklahoma, but an old ordinance that's never been enforced is now preventing the town from holding a Valentine's dance. Really? Yeah, the archaic law says there's no dancing allowed 500 feet from a church. A marketplace <laughs> where the dance was planned is th- uh, is 300 feet from a church. <laughs> In the past, the law has never been enforced, according to local officials. It's probably officials. been on the books 150 years, Easy. right? Easy, but this time around, a resident raised the question and posted it on Facebook. Are we a nation of laws or not? Exactly. <laughs> so city officials researched it and discovered that, yes, the anti-dancing ordinance is still on the books. The dance organizer decided to cancel it. Apart from the obvious reason of why, she also says the decision was based mostly on the fact that her husband is the city attorney for Henrietta. And as the city attorney, he has taken an oath to enforce the law. All of them. All of them. Yeah. Even the the unpopular ones. Which segues nicely into my next story. All right. Keep rolling, Deb. Someone needs to alert certain North Dakota lawmakers that we've entered the 21st century. The state's House of Representatives is having trouble erasing a law that would allow businesses to open on Sunday because one member believes the day would be better spent having wives making breakfast in bed for their husbands. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Representative Bernie uh, Satrum is the one stuck in a different era and says, quote, spending time with your wife, your husband, making him breakfast, bringing it to him in bed, and then after that, go take your kids for a walk. Man, there's going to be a woman's march right up to North Dakota. They're (laughs) going to be dancing on this guy's head. But he's going to want to have a court taster, and he's going to want to pump his brakes before he goes into his car or eats (laughs) anything off the dinner table. Oh, that's that's, that's not all. North Dakota's blue laws, (laughs) bud, virtually prohibit any store or business from opening on Sunday. Another lawmaker who's probably finding himself sleeping with a family dog claims it's dangerous to do business on Sunday because it's another day for women to spend money. Both men say the remarks were made in jest, but no one found them funny. I think they're hilarious. Yeah, in in this day and age, though, everybody's, you know, so PC and everything. No sense of humor for that stuff. That is funny, I think. I was going to say, if you'd like, I would love for you to do a live phone call with your beautiful bride, Linda, and call her up and tell her that you think Sunday should be spent with her making you breakfast and giving it to you in bed and then taking the kids for a walk. What, am I out of my mind? Okay, good. Just check it. (laughs) And finally, fellas, good news. Your reading material is back. I'm not sure how the quality of the articles has changed over the past year, but just in case it was an enhancement, nude models are returning to the pages of Playboy magazine. Yeah, they they were all nude forever, and then they decided last year that they were only going to do models wearing at least something Apparently, they weren't selling many magazines. Well, one year after the longtime men's magazine decided to end its tradition of featuring naked women, publication officials say the new March-April issue of Playboy will once again feature women posing in the buff. That's because Playboy CCO Cooper Hefner, son of Playboy founder Hugh Hefner, says the decision to remove nudity entirely from the magazine was a mistake. He says nudity isn't a problem and Playboy is, quote, taking our identity back. Playboy has still featured women in provocative poses for the past year. Right. Fittingly enough, just so you know, fellow, what to look for when you go into the store. The March-April issue cover has the headline, Naked is Normal. Oh, jeez. 
You know what the problem that Playboy is having here? I think they're trying to get the sales back up because it didn't work. And I hate to say this because it's a really sad development in a, in the midst of all the wonders of the internet, et cetera. You, you, know, you can find free. you you can find you can find things you didn't even think people did. I mean, you know, I mean, and 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 paying I don't know what for a magazine is uh, you know is not where it's at anymore. I I think that uh, time and and technology has passed Playboy uh, by, and I I. I I think they may delay the inevitable, but I think ultimately they're just not going to make it because of. Uh, well, a lot well, of periodicals are going through the same the same deal. You know, you get such a different experience when you read it online than you do when you when you read it in the paper version. Yeah. You have interactive pictures, videos, yeah. interviews. You know, it's yeah, just and, a completely and, and, different and, experience. And when it comes to what what um, Playboy is 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 selling, it, it, it's kind of sad. To think that, uh, you know, what's out there for people and they don't have to pay a dime, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, everything's changed. Yeah. Everything's changed. Yeah, yep. it has. Yep. Thanks, Deb. You're welcome. Deborah Roberts on our Valentine's Day edition of Good Morning Orlando. We'll be back whenever news breaks, top and bottom of the hour as well. And um, time now for the Valentine's Day edition of Sound Judgment. All you have to do is finish the line on a very familiar love song that I know you know. Get the words right, and you're going to be our winner. Hey, Michael, what do we have as our Sound Judgment prize today? Great prize for our winner today. We have a four-pack of passes to see The Great Wall before it hits theaters this Friday, February 17th. It's one of mankind's greatest wonders, 1,700 years to build, 5,500 miles long. What were they trying to keep out? On February 17th, discover the secret of the Great Wall. Legendary Pictures and Universal Pictures present Matt Damon in the epic adventure of the new year. The Great Wall in theaters, Real D, 3D, and IMAX, rated PG-13. Wow, you get advanced passes before anybody gets to see it. If you're our winner, and if somebody gets a wrong answer, right now all our lines are jammed on Sound Judgment. The line opens up, and you can grab it and win at 407-916-5400. Here we go. On this Valentine's Day, I'm looking for a romantic crooner to break into song and finish a line from one of my favorite love songs. I want you to listen to Elvis now, and when he stops singing, just use your sound judgment to finish the line. You get the words right, and you're our winner, even if you can't carry a tune in a bucket. Just pretend you're singing for your sweetheart. And here we go. For I can't help falling in love with you Like a river flows surely to the sea Line three, finish it for us. I'm in the mood for love. Oh, not quite. Thanks for trying, and happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Line two, finish it. I can't help falling in love with you. Nice try. No prize. Remember that? Darling. What? No, I'm not. That, that, wait a minute. How's... I, I, it's too long to play again. I, I hope you were listening, line two. Can you finish it? Darling, so it goes. Some things were meant to be. Sounds awfully close, Yaffe. Let's play it. Darling, so it goes. Some things are meant to be. 
The crowd loves it. We got a winner. And we got a crooner. And congratulations, you've won our sound judgment game. Thank you. <laughs> Good job. Good singing. What's your first name? Where are you from? My name's Todd. I'm in Orange City. Terrific. Nice to have you with us here. That's a good song. You like Elvis? Absolutely. You got Valentine's Day plans? Uh, actually did it ahead of time. Really? Yeah, we both got to work today, so we did it ahead of time. Got it. Got it. Sometimes you got to make those adjustments. I totally understand that with a crazy schedule. I've worked in this business over many, many years. Hey, listen, Todd, don't go away. You and Michael are going to get together off air, and we'll make connections on the movie passes for you, and you can enjoy that with your special Valentine, okay? Outstanding. Thank you. Yeah, terrific. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, and nice job on finishing that Elvis song. Good stuff. The Rush Morning Update coming right up here, and then a third power-packed hour on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good morning, Orlando, and happy Valentine's Day. At the top of the 8 o'clock hour, top of the morning to you as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning Michael Flynn resigns from the Trump administration, and there are a lot of stressed out Americans at work. We'll have the details, not that you may need them, coming up in one minute. Ha <laughs> ha, maybe right there, Deb. Mm. Now, uh, more on the Flynn resignation. My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Tuesday and happy Valentine's Day. It's 8.02 on News Radio 1025. President Trump has an important national security hole to permanently patch. Trump named Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg as the acting national security advisor after Michael Flynn resigned following reports he misled officials about his contacts with Russia. A senior official says former CIA Director David Petraeus and Vice Admiral Robert Harward, a U.S. Navy SEAL, are in the running. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. And we'll get into that. I really do think Flynn needed to go, and I'll explain why. And I've got his letter of resignation here, and we'll share excerpts in a moment and take calls and texts as well, Deb. A son of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky is charged with sexual offenses against children. 41-year-old Jeffrey Sandusky was arraigned yesterday on 14 charges of sexual offenses involving children. He was jailed on $200,000 bail. His father, Jerry Sandusky, is in prison after he was convicted on 10 counts of child sex abuse while a coach for the Nittany Lions under Joe Paterno. Jeffrey Sandusky is one of six children adopted by Jerry Sandusky and his wife. Out west, water has stopped flowing over a collapsing emergency spillway at the Oroville Dam, but officials say the danger of catastrophic flooding is not over yet. More than 180,000 people are evacuated from their northern California homes as a precaution. A state of emergency is in effect, and California's governor is asking for federal assistance. In a letter to President Trump, Jerry Brown asked for a federal emergency declaration for three counties and said the situation is beyond the capabilities of state and local officials. If you're not stressed at work, you're one of the few. According to a recent study done by staffing firm Robert Half, about 60% of workers these days are stressed out. But according to a Tampa representative of the firm, these findings were expected. It's not surprising. I think over the past you know, a couple of years, as, as we came out of the recession, I think companies have kind of learned how to do more uh, with less. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's mm -hmm. definitely causing more workload out there, a little bit more stress. 
Jamie Conley says part of that stress comes from being part of a smaller workforce, part comes from being connected to the job constantly, and part comes from the effort to find that work-life balance. Yeah, I tell you, one thing is absolutely true is a lot of companies have had to downsize, and uh, you're now doing your job and the job of one or two other people who are no longer there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that takes its toll. It's hard to adjust to. A lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, everyone's wearing more than one hat. Yep. Yeah. In local news, talk about stressful. It may be Valentine's Day, but there's one cruise ship not exactly feeling that love boat vibe today. Passengers of the Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Seas are venting their frustrations on social media over being stuck at Port Canaveral overnight. The ship with 3,000 passengers is being held up after the Coast Guard discovered safety issues, specifically safety issues over life vests, held the ship at Port Canaveral overnight, and passengers had to remain on board because... U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents had gone home for the night and they weren't allowed to gamble because they're back in U.S. shore. One passenger tweeted they were told the ship won't be leaving port until 2 o'clock this afternoon. I got to tell you, I love cruising, but I would spend a week in port, you know, as long as they made sure that we had safe life vests. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and, and they'd been... They'd been inspected before, and they were given the pass, but then the Coast Guard came back and said, no, we want you to switch out these life vests. Yeah, well, you know what? I I can understand they're frustrated, but I think if they think hard about it, they're— Watch Titanic. Thank you. Well put. (laughs) And finally, the launch pad where Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin began their mission to the moon Mm -hmm. is going back to work, bud. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. That's exciting. Yes, it is. The private aerospace firm SpaceX will use NASA's Launch Complex 39A at Cape Canaveral to send a supply rocket to the International Space Station next weekend. SpaceX will launch a Falcon 9 rocket carrying supplies and science experiments on Sunday. It'll be the company's 10th cargo trip to the space station, but the first launch from the pad where Armstrong, Aldrin, and Command Module pilot Michael Collins lifted off lifted off on the Apollo 11 mission in July of 1969. That's a real milestone on the return of the U.S. manned space program. That's a real milestone. Yes, it is, and it just uh, kudos to SpaceX for not only trying to reuse and recycle their rockets, but also the uh, the elements that are already in place at Cape Canaveral. And the growth of the private sector in space flights, a big deal. WFLA News Time 807. Read about Jon Stewart saying reporters should not boycott the Correspondents' Dinner online now at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Alongside the Dev Meister, the Bud Man here with the Affiliate Controls and Michael Screening this morning. It's Good Morning Orlando, the Valentine's Day edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. And of course, we come to you on WFLA News Radio 1025 FM, still on AM 540, and we are nationwide on iHeartRadio. Download that iHeartRadio app. It is awesome. The Flynn resignation and more news from the Trump train just ahead. That in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in just two minutes as well here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. It's a trust issue, credibility issue. In a critical position like National Security Advisor, I really do believe that Michael Flynn had to go. You know, I mean, they say back to Watergate days that the um, cover-up is worse than the crime. There's really no crime here. 
lying is not a crime. If if lying were were a crime, the whole country'd be locked up. <laughs> but um, the the fact of the matter is, it's the cover up and the lies. And you wonder, well, now what else isn't he going to be telling the president when he needs to know it? What else is he going to be doing behind? Um, closed doors that he should not perhaps be doing, like dealing with the Russians, being too cozy with them, et cetera, moving forward. I think he absolutely had to go. And people are saying, oh, this is a big deal. The media is in a feeding frenzy over the resignation of Mike Flynn. Uh, and, and I think in a couple of days, it'll be a blip on the scope that you'll hardly remember. I really do. Here's part of the resignation letter from Flynn that came out late last night. In the course of my duties as the incoming National Security Advisor. Holy smokes, I can't find the second page of this thing. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Where is it? Yaffe? <laughs> you have any idea where that is? Oh, doggone it. I cannot find the rest of the letter. Where is it? Have I got it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Okay, good. I was Holy, getting worried. What are we going to do there? I, this has never happened to me before. I've got a debris field here. I've got so much stuff. I think people, we need to take a picture one of these days of your paper stack that you have sometimes. It's not It's not a stack. If it were a nice orderly stack, <laughs> it'd be great. You know, yeah, rush, rush wheels is in and a forklift and all of that. I can't do that. Mine looks like you stacked it up and then a, then an F3 tornado <laughs> or, came yeah, through. Yeah, organized chaos yeah, is what you call it. Thank you very much. That's what it is. Anyway, he says, my duty is incoming. As the incoming national security advisor, I held numerous phone calls with foreign counterparts, ministers, and ambassadors, blah, 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 blah. Unfortunately, because of the fast pace of events, Flynn writes, I inadvertently briefed the vice president-elect and others with incomplete information regarding my phone calls with the Russian ambassador. He denied any of this stuff came up. He lied bold-faced to the vice president of the United States. Then he tried to walk it back and said, well, I can't quite remember... People remember big stuff like this. And if you can't remember it, then you shouldn't be in a position like that. The guy lied and covered it up. He's absolutely got to go. He did say, I'm tendering my resignation. Honored to have served our nation and the American people in such a distinguished way. I'm extremely honored to have served President Trump, who in just three weeks has reoriented American foreign policy in fundamental ways to restore America's leadership position in the world. Um, I don't see any other way. I think he absolutely had to go. I'm not blaming anybody except Mike Flynn. I'm glad that Trump did not have to fire him. I think the point might have been made that you will be fired if you don't resign. And he resigned, and that's the thing that should have happened. He needs to fall on the sword here and get out. And we don't need the media you know, going after Trump. You know, well, he's got to fire people here and, you know, the whole apprentice thing and everything else. So at any rate, um, it's a big shakeup this early in an administration. But trust me, they're going to move forward. They're either going to make the um, the acting national security advisor, Lieutenant General Kellogg, who's a good man, the, the, the permanent post holder there. We've also got a lot of folks who believe it's going to go ultimately to Vice Admiral Bob Harwood, who is a uh, Navy SEAL tight with Secretary of Defense James Mattis. They're talking about General David Petraeus. I don't know. With trust the issue off the Mike Pence res- or Mike Flynn resignation here, I don't know that you can bring Petraeus on because it's all going to come back to the surface about how he leaked classified documents to his mistress. You remember that story. So anyway, I think he had to go. I'm glad he is gone. The um, the book on Mike Flynn 
when he was the director of uh, the Defense Intelligence Agency before he was forced out in the Obama administration was that he had chaotic uh, work habits and he was difficult to work with. Okay, so there he goes. He's a good man, very loyal to Trump throughout the campaign. But this is the best thing, I believe. What do you think? 407-916-5400. Text message 23680 if you want to join the conversation that way. Jeff, yeah, do you agree with me that Mike Pence had uh, Mike Pence? Why do I keep doing that? No, I do not agree that Mike Pence has to go. No, I like Mike, Mike Pence, Pence is, is the most honest man. You mean Mike Flynn? Mike Flynn. Thank you very much. <laughs> this chaotic stack of papers here has scrambled my brain. He had to go. It's a trust issue and a credibility issue, and it's why General Petraeus should not be the pick to succeed him because he's got that same thing. You know, that's what I'm saying. So, do you think? And I'm just throwing this out there as devil's advocate. It's going to create a lot of backlash. Uh-oh. But I bet, do you think that Trump had no idea about this? Or do you think maybe Trump told him to do this, to go contact Russia? Ooh. And he's now Ooh. being thrown under the bus. Ooh. Which is why he said all maybe nice things at the end on his resignation letter and why we're hearing nothing from Trump. He's not tweeting or anything. I don't know. Boy, that's pretty That's pretty sinister. I mean, there's no doubt that Trump's pretty cozy with Russia. So, I mean, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. He was going to be national security advisor. Trump was already elected. So, um, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. There's a part of me that wonders if Trump actually said, hey, go talk to Russia here. And now he's being kind of thrown under the bus. Wow. Let's go to Ben in Claremont. Ben, good morning to you. Well, morning, bud. I was going to say I thought it was a pretty good sign of the integrity that Trump wants to keep in the White House. But after what Yaffe just said, I'm not so sure now. Well, I don't know. You see that? Now he's got everybody. He's got everybody going to be all worked up here. By the way, Ben, thank you for the call. And thank you for that kind note uh, about our show and that song about Robert E. Lee. That was pretty terrific. Well, thank you. I didn't mean all that be this but uh, thank i know you. that thank but i knew the next time you called i wanted to thank you i really appreciate it and the song is pretty cool thank you for that very much on the text line yaffe do you have any flynn related calls before you get to this call for you about you and valentine's day uh, <laughs> you really want to get to that don't you that text. i do it's Sorry. a text message yeah. <laughs> uh one person says uh um flynn should be gone we also need to know what trump knew and when did he know it Kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Um, another person says, I believe that this is going to hurt President Trump. The Democrats have asked who knew and when did they know it? So I wasn't the first one to bring this up. But See, I'm it's thinking just... it's going to be a blip on the scope and we'll move ahead here. But you're saying maybe not so fast, huh? Well, it, it's only because it's not happening in a vacuum. If this you know, was the only thing. But there's been a lot of issues with Trump and Russia in this whole campaign, right. in the whole election that... Yep. I just don't think they're going to let it go. Yeah. Oh, you may be right. Also on the Trump train um, beat this morning here, you know, people are saying, look at all of these court vacancies that Trump hasn't filled yet. There's 117 of them. Do you hear opportunity knocking here? Think about that. He has to fill 117 court vacancies, various federal courts. 18 vacancies on the U.S. Court of Appeals, 91 among the district courts, a couple on the Court of International Trade, the Court of Federal Claims has several. This could change the balance 
of the judiciary in the conservative direction if Trump, and I believe he would, would stay in the conservative mode when it comes to the judiciary, which he has pledged to do with Supreme Court picks and clearly has done with the Gorsuch selection. Do you know that right now half of the judges on the Circuit Court of Appeals in this country and only a third of the judges on district courts were appointed by Republican presidents? Yaffe, that is a tremendous opportunity here um, to affect court decisions in this country for a couple of generations here. That, and so the fact that he has far more of these openings than any other recent president is a good thing. Oh, Opportunity yeah. is knocking. I mean, that's why a lot of conservatives voted for him. I mean, we often said the Supreme Court, but we forget about all the other court seats that he has to fill. So you're right. It was a real opportunity. I think. It, it really, really is. No doubt about it. Deb and I are debating <laughs> our next segment here about whether new versions of shows like the Honeymooners and All in the Family could possibly work. And, and well, you actually think they might be able to. Some of them. Yeah. I, I never watched the Honeymooners, so I, I wouldn't yeah. Yeah. know that one. But All in the Family, they could get away with that stuff oh, in yeah. the age of PC. They could get away with that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because he didn't really get away with it when he did it the first time around. It was always a very controversial show, and that's what made it work. It got people talking. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about that with the best audience in talk radio in a couple of minutes. Right now, we're going to get the news from the best newscaster in Central Florida, and I've got it right alongside me. Deb, take it away (laughs) on our lead story. We've been talking about it. Shake up in the Trump administration. Yes, indeed. President Trump is looking for a new national security advisor following uh, last night's resignation of Michael Flynn. Flynn stepped down amid questions about whether he discussed lifting sanctions against Moscow with Russian uh, with the Russian ambassador before Trump took office. In his resignation letter, Flynn says he inadvertently gave Vice President Mike Pence incomplete information about his talks. Trump has named retired Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg as acting national security advisor, but must still consider a permanent replacement. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Turns out Burger King was not messing around when they chose Have It Your Way as their slogan. They've had that for a long time. Yeah, well, maybe this is the reason why. It turns out that for one day only, Valentine's Day, of course, which is today, don't want to surprise you. Burger King is offering a very grown-up and very happy meal for two. Really? Yes. According to Adweek, the fast food chain says, quote, kids have their kids' meal, but what about grown-ups, adults? Shouldn't they have their own meal, too, at least on Valentine's Day? Yeah, I think so. Well, the tasty Valentine's Day happy meal dinner, which unfortunately, is only available in Israel today. Oh, come on. Comes in a glow-in-the-dark box with a burger, like a little neon burger on the side. Comes with two Whoppers, two packs of French fries, two beers, and a romantic adult toy inside. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Okay. All right. I'm withdrawing my vote here and glad it's in Israel, I think. Is that what that's in Israel just today on Valentine's Day? Yes, sir. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's right. A burger, fries, beer, and a toy. <laughs> but don't lose it under the car seats because uh, you don't want to have to explain that. Those crazy Israelis, Yaffe. <laughs> you never know what they're going to do next.
<laughs> Another love new, uh, notes, more than half of people who watch Netflix shows with their significant other cheat by binge-watching shows alone that they agreed to watch together. That's cheating? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, it's not cheating on your spouse, but it's cheating on the agreement. Yeah. Okay. And you get a lot of couples that get in fight. This is a deal. Do you not have shows you watch with Linda? Bud? You know, come to think of it, we're right. We love Blue Bloods. So what and if we you love started... 24 Legacy, although we miss Jack Bauer, okay? So the deal is we're recording them, you know, DVR, and then we're going to watch them. And I'll go in there, and we'll start watching them, and she'll have her face buried in her smartphone sitting up in bed, and I'll say, you're not watching the show. She says, I've already seen it. <laughs> so she's a, she's cheating on me. She's See? part of the 46%. Wow. See how the tone of the story all of a sudden changes? Well, that whole thing didn't bother me till now. All right. There's so many things that you write for me. For new- 45 years, she's... She's been cheating on me in this regard for years. Well, a wow. new Netflix survey finds this infidelity occurs most in Mexico and <laughs> Brazil and in Bud's house. Yeah. <laughs> the U.S., it turns out, is fifth on the cheating list. Netflix viewers in the Netherlands were found to be the most faithful. The top cheating temptations in the United States are The Walking Dead, Orange is the New Black, and Breaking Bad. Hmm. Wow. How do you feel about this? I mean, well, I would, I would be like you. If it's something we've agreed to watch together, you know, especially with our bedtimes being at, you know, before the sun sets, yeah. you know, you got to plan these things. And then when you're sitting there and your partner is completely disengaged from the moment, I, I'd be upset, too. Do I need to go home and confront her over this study here? Do I, what do I need? Do I just need to let sleeping dogs lie? I don't know. I think I want to kick up too much dust on this on Valentine's Day. I tell you what. You figure out how to get you one of those Burger King Happy Meals, and it'll get all be here. okay. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Deb Meister. <laughs> Deb and Robert, stop with that laugh. I, I th- what? I think you should bring it up, though. Really. Why? Because. See, What's that's to be the gained? lesson. By why you're burying it inside, Bob. No, this but is this is the lesson to be surface. learned. This is the lesson to be learned. This is how this man has been married I for know. over four decades, is that this you is learn to not. pick your battles. In military terms, Yaffe, there are hills worth dying on and hills not <laughs> worth dying on. This would be the latter. <laughs> But what if she agrees? <laughs> she will not agree. <laughs> because if she agreed, she wouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah. So why open that can of worms? If you okay. weren't always doing show prep and going to bed so early, we could watch him together. Wow. <laughs> it's like we were there. <laughs> what am I, hey, I going to do with that? Oh, my goodness. Wow, okay. speaking about opening up a can of worms, I just lit the fuse. It's time for me to go. Man, oh, man. You just roll a grenade into the room and shut the door. But I love your, your question and the one that you what? answered yourself. What? You know, should I bring this up? No. What's to be gained? Yeah, I, I agree. 100%. No, we're not doing that. Yeah, he we're is. We're not doing that. Yeah, he is. No, I'm not. I'll bet you a dollar. He'll come in tomorrow morning. He'll find some subversive way to say, hey, you know, we did this segment on the air this morning. Deb Meister did this story. Yeah, you'll put it all on my shoulders. Okay. Can you stop her? Is, is, there any, is there an off button over here or not? There's no off button on Deborah Roberts. It just bud, keeps bud, on going. We're trying to do a bet here, bud. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to do a, butt, a bet. We're losing our minds. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, as it has been said for ages. But sometimes there are great classic television shows that simply cannot be imitated, much less duplicated. 
and are bound when the attempt is made to fail. I think that's exactly what the fate will be if they try to remake new updated versions of shows like All in the Family, The Jeffersons, and The Honeymooners. That's what The Hollywood Reporter says are in the works out on the West Coast. I mean, I don't know how in the world these shows could be anything like the originals with a hue and cry there would be from the politically correct crowd and the social justice warriors on the left who'd be going out of their ever-loving minds. I mean, let me give you an example right now. Do you remember the classic old Jackie Gleason show, The Honeymooners? And and these lines I'm about to play for you in two cuts were an absolute staple of that show. How would social media, Twitter, Facebook, the media, everybody react to a redo on this? One of these days, I'll write the kiss. (laughs) Bang, soon. I'm going to the moon. Puts his fist in Alice's face. Ralph Cranman said, pow, zoom, right to the moon. Pow, right in the kisser. What would happen? What would happen if you ran with something like that today? There would be marches in the streets, women's rights, domestic violence. Nobody has a sense of humor for that stuff anymore. It would never work. Here's another Ralph Cramden line talking again with Alice. All right, listen to this. What do you mean I don't treat you like a woman? I treat you like a woman. I let you sew, I let you cook, I let you wash the windows, I let you clean up. All right, and then there is All in the Family, Archie Bunker. Uh, He was on the the, the Jeffersons. Remember that was a spinoff from All in the Family? Listen to this exchange back on the Jeffersons, okay? And Archie's in a room with Louise and George. Louise, and you know what happens to blacks with no education and looking for a job? They're last on the list. George, no, they ain't. The Puerto Ricans are last. Archie, he's right, Louise. The Puerto Ricans are last. Only they don't know it because they can't read the list. I mean, would that work today? They'd shut them down in one episode. Or Deb seems to think that they might find success. I don't know what the answer is. I'm glad I'm not investing in these reboots of classic old sitcoms from the 70s. This society has changed political correctness. It'd never work, would it? What do you think? 407-916-5400. Get Yaffe's take on this as well. And our uh, text line at 23680. Yaffe, you'd have to do too much toning down and rewriting of the classic old 70s sitcoms and even earlier with the Honeymooners back in the 50s to do updated versions of them that would be acceptable in our PC culture. And and if you rewrote rewrote them that way, they wouldn't be reboots right. of those shows, would they? Yeah, it's kind of a shame when you think about it because you know comedy's supposed to be kind of edgy. It's supposed to walk that line, and in some ways, it has, but only in like sexual ways. So in sexual ways, we become more forgiving of that on TV. It's a good but point. in other ways, you're right. We're so PC, and you know, I, I just love good dialogue, good sitcoms. Here's Alan weighing in on all of this. So can you bring these back, updated versions of those classic old sitcoms or not, Alan? Absolutely not, bud. Absolutely not. First of all, I think that if they did do it, first of all, you'd have the feminazis come out. You'd have Black Lives Matter going crazy. Oh, yeah. Univision. 
And I dare I say Hillary and Barack O would come out of the woodwork and have something to say about it. Yep. I, I, I just don't think you can do it. Thank you, Alan, very much. And have it work, rather. Here is Don in Wildwood weighing in. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Bud. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day to the young lady. Oh, I'm not it... PC, so I'm not going to wish you happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I understand my position. All right, sweetheart. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if the libs want to waste their money in Hollywood, let them have it. But no, I don't think it's going to work. Because the first time he calls somebody that lives down the street a meathead and he's referring to Obama's brothers, uh, <laughs> the whole world's going to, their heads are going to explode. <laughs> That's an Archie Bunkerism. Absolutely right, Don. Good call. Thank you. On the text line, Yaffe, what are they saying? You know, one person makes an interesting point. He says the shows will not be a true reboot. He, he says, I would almost bet that the liberal media would turn them into a Republican and right-wing bashing production. Wow. So they'd let them do those things, but they would make them out to be dumb Republicans or something. Michael, are you back there screening? Can't see if he's back there. I don't know if he wants to react to this. Can you bring back those shows it uh, would, without completely redoing the style of writing? It would be a a very, very – you have to do it very carefully. But it's it's kind of possible. I've you'd be seen walking some on eggshells all the at, time oh, writing these things, oh, wouldn't you? absolutely, but you'd have to expect that if you want to make a reboot. Yeah. In modern times. But it's doable if you are very, very careful. Because some shows do try to push the limits still. No doubt about it. It's been great being with you in this edition to Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com and uh, download that iHeartRadio app. We are nationwide on iHeartRadio and on WFLA, FM, and AM. Yaffe, we're putting together the podcast and uh, and highlights of today's show for folks who want to check out the website, right? Yeah, and, you know, we talk about a lot of things, and then I'll get people say, you know, where'd you get that information? Where can I find it? Yeah. The best way to do it is go to the blog page. Go to 1025WFLA.com. Click on the Good Morning Orlando tab. Bud's Daily Recap. There's one for every day. It has links, has videos, and it has the podcast of the whole show. So you, you should definitely check it out. Beautiful. All right. I can't guarantee you the quality of tomorrow's show because the only dinner reservations Lynn and I could get that would work with me having to go to bed so early to get up at 2.30 in the morning to host this show was 4 o'clock this afternoon at our favorite restaurant for Valentine's Day, right in the middle of primetime show prep. So I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow for three hours, but why don't you tune in (laughs) and be among the morbidly curious and find out. I think we'll be okay. There's always plenty going on. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for being with us. For Deb, Yaffe, and Michael, the Budman here. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.